Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, good morning, everyone. And, and if you have slipped in or, or, or just forgot, my name is Ryan. And uh, I am the youth and worship pastor here and really excited to share what is the penultimate uh, message in our series, our origin series. We've been going through, um, essentially been going through Hebrews chapter 11, which is a famous chapter about faith and looks at some of the highlights in the Old Testament. And we've been using that as a springboard to just look at some of these characters in the Old Testament, look at these stories and, and do really two things. One of the things that was on our hearts as we prepared this series was to give us again that context for the gospel to understand what is the Old Testament story, what is the Old Testament context that, that, that serves as the foundation for our faith, the Christian faith, the gospel. And secondly, again, because the whole chapter is about faith and the nature of faith, to encourage us about how to live out lives of faith. And so we've been going through a, a whole lot of characters, and we're now going to look um, at the characters of Isaac and of Jacob, Jason just spent three weeks on Abraham. I get one week with those two. Um, it's my own fault because I was one of the people planning the series. And so we'll see how that goes. But, but I want to read the passage in Hebrews 11. Uh, and as you know, I like to give a bit of a roadmap, give some directions of where we're going to go this morning. Uh, and so relax, settle in. We're going to have some fun, but also pray that we will be encouraged. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11 verses 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. It's quite an interesting phrase, um, quite an interesting sentence. I read this the first time as I was opening the, the scriptures on Monday and thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, that's quite an, quite an interesting one because it appears to me that the faith here is being executed in Isaac's blessing of his son and in Jacob's blessing of his grandchildren, Joseph's sons. And, and I started to wonder, well, what is it? What is it about these blessings that's so significant? What, what, what is it about faith and them blessing their descendants that relates to us? And how does it fit in with us? And why is this important? And I think it's rooted in the biblical story. I think that's quite clear. And I think really what is, is happening, and I think what will help us to understand this passage, is to understand that in the Old Testament, these blessings were essentially like the handing on of God's promises. These blessings were like the passing on of a, on of a baton in a race. They were declarations of the hope that they have in God's promises for the next generation for their children. And so what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to, to look at the story, look at the story of Genesis, to actually step back. I believe that the Bible is God's inspired word. I believe that every word and every sentence comes God breathed to us for our encouragement. And so because of that, I love to zoom in and to unpack a sentence and to look at a letter or to look at a story in the Bible and understand what is it the author wants us to know. What is it that he wants us to understand? But I also think in order to fully understand the truth in the scriptures, we need to zoom out. 
We need to zoom out and look at the big picture. Look at how it fits in. And every now and again, I'll try and do this in like five minutes. I'll try to do this in an intro. If you've listened to me preach at all, you'll know Ryan loves to do recaps. But I actually want to take a bit of a bigger uh, portion of time um, to do this because, well, a good illustration of this is we've we got caught up in the whole Great British Bake Off thing now. We've... Uh, We've been sucked into that trend. And, uh, and one of my favorite bits is the technical challenge because I think it's just mean. So for those of you who don't know what this is, there's this big baking competition. And one of the challenges is the technical. And essentially what happens is they give the contestants a whole list of ingredients for some crazy recipe, but they don't tell them how to use them. And so they've got this list of ingredients. They have no idea how to make what they're making really. And they've just got to make an effort. And, and the difference between that and someone who understands the recipe is they understand how the ingredients fit together. And so for me, I, I really am praying that we would all grow in our biblical understanding. And biblical understanding is different to having a list of ingredients, to having just knowledge. Knowledge is knowing who's in the Bible. Knowledge is knowing what stories are in the Bible, maybe even knowing where they are. But biblical understanding is knowing how they fit together. Biblical understanding is knowing how the stories link. And so I, I want to recap, and um, this is our roadmap for this morning. I want to recap the story of the Bible up to Abraham and look at how, how the story then continues to develop, to, to, to develop through our characters, Isaac and Jacob. Pick out some key passages, see how they fit together, track this idea of blessing and God's promise to us. And then we're going to jump back here to Hebrews. And hopefully I want to draw out two encouragements for us this morning. So I, I pray that is exciting for you. And if it's not, well, I hope that you have a relaxing seat. Okay. <laughs> All right. Before I go in detail through the, the story, I was, I was preparing this, going through, okay, we're going to go through the story. I want to unpack the big picture. I was re reminded of a tool that I was given in seminary, and it's a tool that I use often with the youth. And I just thought, you know what, it might actually be really helpful to some people for me to share this tool. The tool is literally called the story. And it's useful for parents, if you have children, or if you just work with children, you want to share the story of the Bible in a short, simple way with children, with young people. Or if you just want to know how to reach other people. Because I think a lot of us have a heart to tell people, to meet with people, people in our workplace, people we come across. And we, we do want to be able to engage with them, but we feel ill-equipped. And really, if we just know the story, we can know how their question about our faith fits in the story. And we can know maybe where they're at in their faith journey and how the different parts of the story of the Bible can meet them at that space. Does that make sense? And so I'm just going to give you a quick snapshot. It's just a little tool. It's, and it's worked so well for me. There's actions, but I'm not going to do that because I felt like you might not want those. Um, but if you do, come speak to me afterwards, and I'll give you the whole actions for this. But it's a simple tool to remember the real basic structure of what the Bible story is, of what the gospel is. Okay, and so it works like this. There are four scenes. Okay, think of it like you're at a play. Think of it like you're in a theater. There are four scenes to God's great story. Okay, there's the creation scene. There's the fall scene where everything goes wrong because in any good story, you have a good setup. Something goes wrong in a rom-com. Somebody does something terrible or says something stupid, right? In a superhero movie, there's a villain who comes in. Okay, but there's always something that twists. Okay, the, we don't remember the stories where everything's just great. It's kind of a boring story. There's no victory. There's no triumph. 
Okay, but then the third scene is where there's the rescue, where something goes right, where the, the, the climax is. And then the fourth scene is where everything sort of comes to a conclusion. That's the restoration. So we have creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And then I think of it like a, like a bit of a football formation. Three, three, two, two. Okay, because all of, they break down into 10 scenes. Four acts, 10 scenes. I don't know if I've maybe changed my lingo, but let's just go with that. Okay, four acts, 10 scenes. In creation, it starts with God, the main character. In creation, it starts with God. God is the architect. Second scene, he creates. He makes everything. The third thing we need to know in that is it's harmonious. It's good. It's perfect. Everything is as it should be. So creation, God creates, and it's good. So simple, so powerful. The second act, three more scenes. There is disobedience. I used to love the action for this one. Oh no. <laughs> Terrible, shame. There is disobedience. And there is consequence because God is just and good. And the most important one, there is need. There is need. Because of disobedience, because of the consequence, humanity and creation finds itself in need of the third act, the third act, which is rescue. And in the rescue, we have two things. A promise is made, and that's what we're looking at today. That's what I want to draw out as I unpack some of this a little bit more. But the promise is made. I will rescue. The rescue is coming. Trust in it. And half of the Old Testament is that. God's saying, keep hoping, keep trusting. Someone is coming. Rescue is on its way. And in the New Testament, that promise is kept. Second scene. Right? So we have Act 1. God creates and it's harmonious. Act 2. The fall. Disobedience consequence and we're in need act three a promise is made and a promise is kept rescue comes and what we have to look forward to because we're in the story story's not over we're not reading this story as it's completed we're in the story reading about what's coming and so restoration is on its way and the two parts to that is everything will be made new this world that is both beautiful but we know is broken Broken because of the disobedience and consequence. Broken and in need. The rescue's happened, but the restoration's coming. All things will be made new. And the final thing is, we get to be forever with God. Ends with God, begins with God. We get to be with Him. So I hope that serves as a good tool. And so let me zoom in a little bit further in now. Big picture, zoom into Genesis. Let's know the story. Okay, we've seen that God creates, but something we should know is he also gave authority and purpose to humanity. He said, I want you to rule over the earth, but just don't do this one thing. We rebel against God. We invite brokenness into the world, and most crucially, we break relationship with God. But God hints at the coming of this rescue, even in Genesis even as early as chapter 3. And the rest of Genesis 3 to chapter 11 is a spiral. Things get worse. Things just spiral out of control. There's a spiral of brokenness, of pride and murder and, and all sorts of sin. And this world is in need. And we get to the end of chapter 11. The people have been scattered because of their pride. And you're left with this question, how is God going to save the world? 
How is God going to save the world? And the next thing you read is a genealogy. Which for most people when they read the Bible is the boring bit. Right? But this genealogy leads us to a person. And for three weeks we've looked at this person. The person named Abraham. And God speaks to this person. And he calls him out. And he makes a covenant. He makes a promise. He makes a vow. He makes a declaration of hope. And says, I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. And here's the key word. I will bless you. I will bless you and make your name great. So that, why will Abraham be blessed? So that you will be a blessing. To what extent will he be a blessing? And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, when, when sin came into the world and God brought judgment, what did, he, what, what did he say about the earth? What was that judgment? It was a curse. Do you see how that plays out? It was a curse because of sin coming into the world. Because of that disobedience, the consequence was a curse. The brokenness that we feel in ourselves and in society and in this world is cursed. And yet the promise that he gives to Abraham, this man, is through you, that which is cursed will be blessed again. Will be blessed again. Through this one man, God will bless the world. And, and we've spent three weeks in Abraham's story, so I can't unpack that anymore. But essentially, we follow the journey of this man. And he gives birth, well, he doesn't. His, his wife gives birth to the child of promise, Isaac, our first character. And Isaac will eventually give birth to Jacob, and Jacob will have 12 sons, and they will become the nation of Israel, through whom the world is blessed. But let's pick up with Isaac, who now picks up this baton of promise. We pick up, Abraham has died, and now they're wondering, okay, well, this was the one, this was the man who God picked out, through whom the world will be blessed. What's going to happen now? And so God reaffirms his promise to Isaac, Abraham's son, he says, it says this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac. Okay, Isaac's questioning now. He's like, Abraham has died. God's made this promise, but now we're in a famine. We're in a famine. Things aren't going so well. Has God abandoned us? Is this promise now gone with Abraham? What's going to happen? And he starts to wonder, shall we go to Egypt? And so the Lord appears to him and says this, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will, keyword, bless you. But to you and your descendants, I will give these lands and I will confirm the oath, the vow, the covenant that I swore to your father, Abraham. The promise is passed on. God confirms his commitment to this promise he's made with Abraham, it doesn't end there. And so we keep reading in verse four, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give them all these lands and hear the parallels, hear the echoes of this promise through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. It's the same promise being passed on. This blessing is gonna come that was gonna given to Abraham is gonna come through his son, Isaac. And so Isaac goes on to have a son, Jacob. He actually has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And he's meant to bless Esau. He's meant to be the one who carries the next baton. But we have this really weird story where Jacob deceives his father, steals the blessing, 
and runs away. And you see this all throughout Genesis. These heroes make massive failures. And that often leaves you wondering, are their failures going to thwart God's intention to rescue and to bring promise? But that doesn't happen. Actually, what happens is Jacob goes on to wrestle with God. And Isaac ends up passing on the promise to Jacob. And he says this in Genesis chapter 26, may God almighty bless you and make you fruitful. Verse four, may he give you and your descendants the blessings given to Abraham. Jacob goes on this journey. He wrestles with God. He knows he's done wrong. And so God meets with him and and blesses him. God says to Jacob, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I give to you also. Now I will give this land to your descendants as well. You see, that which was given to Abraham has now been passed on to Isaac. And despite even some of their failings is passed on to Jacob. Jacob has his 12 sons. One of them is Joseph, who we'll look at next week as we close off this series. Also a key character. But one of them is Judah. And Judah is given a promise as well. He's given a blessing. It's not mentioned in Hebrews, but I thought it was important. He's told that through him, a royal savior is coming. And from the line of Judah, we get King David. And from King David, we get Jesus. This promise, what Jesus came to do, traces all the way back to King David, to Judah, to Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. There is a thread of promise. There is a thread of promise. And the reason this is so powerful is because the amount of times you'll read in the prophets or you'll read in the Psalms, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob When a Jew read that, they read the God of promise. The God who is faithful. The God who does not abandon what he set out to do, despite our failures. He is a God of promise. He will preserve his promise. He has vowed to bless the world through Abraham. And that promise is going to echo through generations until it finds its climax in Jesus. The ultimate fulfillment of the promise. We can trace the thread of God's faithfulness throughout the whole Bible. There's no novel. There is no movie more exciting than this. Because this is reality. This thread of God's commitment to save the world and the way that he has done it is the most powerful story. In fact, it's probably the story on which all other stories are built. And when it sits in our hearts, it does something. To know that Jesus didn't just come out of nowhere. He was was completely expected. He came in an unexpected way, but completely anticipated. He was coming in this thread of God's promise. And we can know that we are part of that grand story that's far bigger than us. 
but we are not the main character. God is, and he is determined to save the world from sin and the work of Satan. And so we jump back into Hebrews. And I want to remind us of of what Hebrews right at the start defines faith as. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hoped for, assurance about what we do not see. By faith, by that confidence, by that assurance of what's not seen, but what's hoped for. See, there was this hope that God was going to bring that blessing. And by that assurance in God's bringing of that blessing, Isaac says, I bless you, Jacob, that God will use you to bring that promise. The same promise he gave to my father, Abraham, because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of promise, the God who comes through, the God who does not fail. By that same faith and assurance, Jacob, when he is dying, blesses Joseph's sons, his grandsons, and worships, knowing that though he's not going to see it, he's not going to see the fulfillment of the promise. He trusts the God who is faithful and his grandchildren will see it. They will be part of this thread of promise. And so I know that 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 serves as a lot of context. That's a lot of passage. We flew through like 30 chapters of Genesis there. But it's so important that we see the thread of God's promise in this story. And so what I want to do is out of this passage, just briefly highlight two aspects of this faith. This faith that trusts in the God of promise who will come through. Just highlight two things, particularly about Jacob, that I hope will be an encouragement to you. May I encourage you, hope beyond Hope beyond. Jacob is on his deathbed. He's received this blessing that Abraham had got, that his father Isaac had got. And now he has received it. And he knows, I'm not going to see it now. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm done. But he has faith. A faith that looks beyond his own life. A faith that looks beyond death. That says, Beyond death, there is hope. Beyond my end, there is still fresh start for my children. And for the promise that will come through them, he continues to hold faith that God will come through and preserve this promise. He looks beyond his own life into the hope for the future. He was not blinded or hardened by his own mortality or suffering. And so I want to encourage you, hope beyond your circumstance. Hope beyond it. Look beyond it. See, for Jacob, he realized death was a doorway, that it's a comma, not a full stop. And if there is hope beyond death, then there is hope beyond any circumstance. If there is hope beyond death, then there is hope beyond any circumstance. Why? Because the God who is faithful gives promise, and we can trust in that promise. See, God's promises are your power in your pain. In your seasons of pain, you get power by trusting in God's promise. God's hope is our help in our struggles. It's by trusting in those promises that we can persevere through the pain and through the circumstance. And finally, 
Jacob is blessing as he's dying, but he then bends over his staff in this, this amazing moment, this intimate moment, and it says he worshipped. He's not going to see it. He hasn't seen the fulfillment, but he's worshipping as though it's come. And so worship because, worship because God is faithful. Worship because he will come through. Worship because he is a God of hope. We, we tend to put ourselves at the center of the story. And so when things aren't going well for us, we feel like the whole story is just a mess. But we're not meant to be at the center of the story. God is. And when God's at the center of the story, we know he's in control, he's writing, he's authoring it, and he is the God of promise and hope. And so we can worship because we can trust him. God has made a way to bless us, to rescue us. He has given us hope now and forever. God is faithful and he always finishes what he starts. What he started with Abraham. That thread comes all the way right up to us. That thread of promise and faithfulness. And it will go to your children. And it will go right until Jesus returns. And brings full fulfillment and restoration. God is not derailed by sinful vessels. He can still use them for his purpose. And he uses people like us to share the story, to tell people of a God who made a promise to save a broken world and who kept that promise despite everything. We have reason to worship. We have reason to hope. We can hope beyond our circumstance and we can worship because God is faithful. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.